Welcome everyone to this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. I am your host, Chizaka, and joined as always by my co-host and wife, Acronym. Hi, hi. And it is that time of year where the weather gets extremely cold, the kids sometimes don't have to go to school, and you just want to sit inside with something warm to drink or eat and uh, hang out with your favorite podcast. That's what we're here for. Sometimes you can hang out with us on Wednesday nights when we're uh, doing this live on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash Really Big Fan Podcast, and all the time, you can hang out with us wherever you get your podcasts in an audio format. And don't forget Patreon. And don't forget Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get not only this show, but the Really Big Fan Podcast double feature with me and Mike Pandoff talking about movies, some of our favorite movies. Some of them we both like, some of them only one of us like. <laughs> some of them, by the time we're done talking about it, neither of us liked. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. But uh, we got a good show for you this week. We're going to be talking to Chris Brown from Comics and more about one of his favorite film franchises. But before we get there, it's time for Headlines. Not bad. I don't know. You put me on the spot and that's what happened. I, just, <laughs> I figured I'd see what you did. See what I came up with. Exactly. <laughs> so ever since the beginning of the year... Uh, I've seen much much of it on Twitter. I've seen plenty of people saying this is the year we get switched to. Um, and the audio electronics company uh, that c- controls GameShark, which was the device you used to use back in the, uh, like the Super Nintendo or even all the way up to like the original PlayStation and PlayStation 2 to, uh, you know, to, to cheat on your games. Um they uh somebody did some some data mining of something they had that they're talking about bringing back a game shark ai successor oh god and uh in the notes it said the official launch is planned to coincide with the nintendo switch 2 in september 2024 Ooh. so we shall see i haven't talked you about just it just got an oled <laughs> well i haven't talked about it very much cuz like i'm not like the switch is great. Yeah. There's uh, no notes. I don't see anything that really needs improvement. Just yeah. you know, keep keep putting good games on it and you can I can just own a switch forever. But that's not the way the video game market mm-hmm. works, you know. It's every you, you want to sell them the big console so you can continue to sell them the games. Hopefully they don't change the media. Yeah, that well that that's also a thing that I I worry about is that like is the is it going to be like when they made the Wii, but you could still play GameCube games on it? Or is it going to be like when they made the Wii 2 and suddenly all your shit was just, yeah, you just got to buy it all over again on this new system? That'd be awful. Yeah, that would suck. I guess that is the point to keeping digital. Then it just transfers from thing to thing. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah. If it, you know you don't like having digital copies of things. I don't. No. I'm making sure my <laughs> mic doesn't sound like garbage. <clears throat> uh, speaking of digital, um, somebody was talking to one of the people that runs Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It's hard to go online portals. So Ubisoft is a, is a company that publishes games, and they're also trying to do what you see in a lot of streaming services, and then a lot of studios are just like, what if we do our own streaming service instead of loaning our games out to other streaming services? Right. Uh, and they want about 18 bucks a month for you to just play Ubisoft games on the on the PC order, which is a little steep. That is steep. Like, that's not even a family plan for Spotify. But there was an interview in GI Biz with um, somebody who's, who's one of the higher-ups at Ubisoft, and the quote was, one of the things we saw is that gamers are used to, a little bit like DVDs, having and owning their own games, and that the consumer shift needs to happen 
They got comfortable not owning their CD collection or their DVD collection, and now they need to get comfortable not owning their games. <laughs> like, wow, dude. <laughs> Just... I hate this because we had this conversation the other day about the uh, like my Adobe software. Yeah. Like you used to be able to buy software outright and then they switched to a subscription model and now you're getting charged like almost $60 a month for subscriptions because we have the entire suite because of all the stuff that we do. Right. So it has to be that. And like, yeah, you can go and like hit them up and be like, I want to quit. And they're like, we'll give it for you for half off. But like you can't do that every year. Exactly. So it it sucks. Yeah. Don't like that feeling. I will continue to try and own a hard copy of as many things as possible. <laughs> it just pile them up as, as like a pack rat in this in this apartment <laughs> till it's a fire hazard. Speaking of things that suck, uh sleep token fans are awful. And now wait a second. Thing. Wait a second. I don't sleep token fans might not be awful, but there is definitely a sub Yes. Group of fans in the fandom that are terrible. Yes. So Sleep Token has wiped their Instagram clean, and it might be because of the fact that basically somebody doxed one of the members of Sleep Token. The one known as, I don't know if it's known as Three. I, I've never heard anybody vocalize this, so I don't know if they call him Three or something else. He's but Trey. Somebody um, decided that they were going to get his birth certificate and circulate it online. This is because Sleep Token members, if you don't know who Sleep Token is, are anonymous. It's very much like the nameless ghouls and ghosts. Oh, so it's like Slipknot. Slipknot and everything else. And um, I think Bad Omens, you know who they are, but they do have masks as well. But you're supposed to not know who they are, and the anonymity is supposed to keep it interesting. Marshmallow does the same thing. Dead Mouse is one of the first to do it. Right. That sort of shit. So somebody decided to leak the birth certificate, and being that it's part of their whole shtick, they wiped their entire Instagram clean and put in their bio, nothing lasts forever. So people are now wondering, are they quitting or are they going to start their new album cycle early because of this doxing? Usually, apparently, they do the same thing that like Paramore does, where when they're going to start a new album cycle, they purge everything off their Instagram and start clean. Hmm. So this could be that, but also the fact that it coincides with this is really unfortunate. So if if we lose sleep token because of this, right. that's on the fans that couldn't keep their nose out of people's business and fuck you. <laughs> it is a it is like in this day and age, it is kind of hard to keep secrets. You see that with all the it movies is. that we enjoy watching and stuff like that. But you have Star to Wars, you have but... to go through a lot of hoops to dig up somebody's birth certificate. And those people livelihood, but it's also their safety and security. Yeah, those people have always existed. It's just that it's so much easier now yeah. to use technology to actually find the answers to whatever question has been put in front of you. I personally don't like being stalked. I've been stalked. Not my bag. So that sounds like a horror trip for me. Yeah. And I, I personally, that's... I, I've always kind of said this to other people, but like I've never wanted to be fully famous because I feel like that would be awful. Right. People will be in your shit constantly and you would have never have any peace. That's why we keep the really big fan podcast uh, audience very small. <laughs> yeah, it's on purpose. None of you can stalk us. Or actually, most of you can stalk us, yeah, but like you're a, most of you are people that we don't mind seeing in public. We don't mind getting stalked. So. Exactly. But can you imagine in league year, every move is being followed and then somebody puts your birth certificate out or digs into your family back history and sure. that all over the place? Like, 
there is a price to it. And hey, actually, Faceless Tony and I had this conversation. Uh, there is a price to being famous. And I joked about it that like all the stress that does come with it. And I said, the only reason that it would be okay for being famous is that I'd be paid to go through all that bullshit. Because I have gone through all that bullshit without being paid. Well, I was talking to Invisible Tony and he said <laughs> that he would love to be stalked, but no one can see him. So It's like John Cena. Right. It's exactly like John Cena. 100%. Uh, so we were just talking about this the other, the other day, how much we were super into the first season of The Witcher and then never continued mm-hmm. watching it. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne will be joining the fourth season of The Witcher. Random? As a vampiric barber slash surgeon. What? So they're Sweeney Todding him? I I guess. I, I, I but he's a he's a character that's in the fifth book in the Witcher series, and uh, just he's gonna be in the show now. Mind is him and Hannibal going use the ladies' room. <laughs> that's all I can think of right now. Right. <laughs> um. So I have a. I mean, people probably already know about this already, but No Doubt is back. They were cast onto the lineup for Coachella this year, and they did the three li- the, like the three day lineup, and then just said dot 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 and No Doubt. Mm. So you have no idea what day they're fucking playing either. So I don't know if that means they play every single day. No, they have not played. That means you show up for three days at Coachella waiting for No Doubt to play. Yes. So, no doubt, performed performed together last in 2015. So that's kind of a you know a rocker for everybody who was into No Doubt, likes No Doubt, or at the very least is into Gwen Stefani. Because let's face it, it's her and then all the back and a band people. Yeah. So uh, there's some other people on this lineup like Lana Del Rey, Tyler the Creator, Blur is gonna be there, Ice Spice, Sublime, which is just listed as Sublime, which probably means that Bradley Noel's daughter or uh, son is going to be the front man of Sublime. Oh, they just kick Rome out after years. Rome decided he was gonna leave. Oh, so they did the performance like, a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago now. Um, Bradley's son fronted the band for a special performance. And then Rome announced he was leaving. So I don't know if Rome chose it or if Rome basically was like, it is your now yours. Right. I was just here to hold place until you were ready sort of thing. So that's listed on here. A lot of people that were at Movement, like um, John Summit, Dom Dalla, Charlotte DeWitt are on, on this list as well. And then there's Doja Cat, Jay Belvin, Janae Aiko, who played Mopop um, for the last year of Mopop is on here. Lil Yachty, and then the sore thumb of this, and I'm not saying this because I don't love them, but Taking Back Sunday is going to be at Coachella. That does not make sense to me. I'm happy for them. It's going to be a nice paycheck and exposure, but I'm kind of like, that's an odd place to put them. Strangely enough, as they announced the Coachella lineup, they also announced that Taking Back Sunday will also be added to the When We Were Young festival dates, doing my favorite album tell all your friends Mm. so that's pretty cool there have been a lot of other festival lineups that popped up this week um whenever i hear like coachella is a huge thing but it's after my time yeah so whenever i hear a coachella lineup i'm like nah yeah well and a lot of it is not music that you listen to it honestly looking at some of these festivals and this was something i was going to say is some of these festivals kind of are a little mid this year 
not not the best lineups. In the maybe world. they're mid, and maybe you're just getting older. I mean, that could <laughs> maybe be. it's just bands that you don't care about, but a younger generation does. I mean, you would care about this one. So, Bottle Rock and Napa Valley is Pearl Jam headlining. Okay, so that's pretty cool. That's a good start. Um, Pearl Jam, Ed Sheeran, Stevie Nicks, Megan The Stallion, Queens of the Stone Age. Okay, that's that's at least two that I'm like, oh, I'd like to see that. The Offspring is on it's here. Been fun. T-Pain's on here. I would go watch T-Pain if he would do his covers. Right. Definitely. But then some of the other names in here aren't uh, really completely a draw for me. Boston Calling is going to be also Ed Sheeran, Leanne Bridges, Tyler Childers. Um, You got Frank Turner in here. Trey Anastasio. So the guitarist from Fish. I had no clue who that was. It's so weird that the Killers are not yeah, the killers lighting a fest named after one of their songs. Yeah, you'd think. Um, so silly. The Killers is on here. Hosier, Megan the Stallion again. And a lot of things, like as you start to look at these lineups, you can tell like everybody's on a tour cycle right then. Sure. So they're hitting all of these festivals. Because then you have um, Bonnaroo, we've got Pretty Lights, Fisher, Post Malone, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Fred again. Cage the Elephant, John Batiste, Megan the Stallion once again. She's at every festival this year. I would love to talk to somebody on this show about being a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan in 2024. Yeah, it's going to be weird, which is something else I brought up to you before the show is that they're doing a biopic for Anthony Kiedis called Scar Tissue. Yeah. And they, were, they said in the comments, like, okay, who would you cast for this? And I'm just like, who asked for this in the first place? Right. Not not that I hate Anthony Keaton. I'm sure he's got a very up and down story with a lot of drug use and like, you know, they lost their guitarist. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure he's, he's you know, like I said, I'm sure he's got a, an interesting enough story to make a biopic out of. But are they really that big? Like, are people really into... Is there somebody that's a know. really big fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers? And that's why I said it'd be interesting to analog. talk to... Like, I would understand in the 90s when they were a huge deal being a Red Hot, and even, yeah. like, in the 2000s when they had kind of their renaissance of being a... Yeah, I yeah. love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but, like, nowadays, you still, like, you see the Chili Peppers on a, on a you know, lineup, and you're like, I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta go see them now that they're old guys. See, I'm not, I'm not mad about it in the sense of, like, they were at Comerica, I think, last year or the year before. Yeah. I applied to shoot it because I was like, oh, yeah, of course I want to shoot the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But it's never been like, oh, my God, I am the biggest fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, I don't have the obsessive love over it like Erica does of you, too. And I'm not, I'm not casting, uh, no, casting no. shit on people who do love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's just like, you know, it's we all know my favorite band is Smashing Pumpkins, but. As much as uh, it's neat to see that they still have a career and they still have a, you know, if I had my pick, I would absolutely rather see them in their heyday than, you know, see them now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. Like That being said, I would love to play with them <laughs> and join them on tour for Green Day. That. <laughs> yeah. No, I would I would love to play. Uh, you know, they what was it they said? They had like 10,000. Yeah, they had 10,000 people that uh, applied to be the guitarist. I, I've got a 1 in 10,000 chance of being on stage with Billy Corgan, James Eha, and Jimmy Chamberlain. So give me some luck. Yeah. I could use it. Yeah. <laughs> the um, I was talking to somebody about it today, and I said that like I wish I could travel back in time and see like a Nirvana set. Right. Well, yeah, that was the other thing is you were you were telling me the other day that seeing Billy Corgan with hair is weird to you. It, I mean, like, it was weird. I remember it, so well, I, I, I was alive during that time. The first music video I saw from them was Tonight Tonight. 
Right. So he was already bald. Right. So he's been bald in my head my entire life. It's the same thing with when men that have beards shave. I'm very upset about it. Yeah. It's something about the change of it. There was somebody I worked with years ago who he had a beard the entire time I knew him. And then he shaved his face because he had to take his respirator test. Uh. And then I told one of the other coworkers, God, it's so weird that Fred shaved his beard. And I said it to her over messenger or whatever. And I guess he was in her cubicle. when, I- <laughs> And then he yelled from her cubicle. Busted. What's wrong with my face? Busted. I'm like, I'm sorry. You just look so weird. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, hair is weird for me. So speaking of festivals, you all know I'm super excited about Fortnite Festival because it's essentially rock band in Fortnite. Well, uh, the final songs uh, as downloadable content for Rock Band 4 are going to be released next week after eight years of them putting out downloadable content weekly for Rock Band 4. Like they stopped after Rock Band 3. Yeah. And then there was a couple years and they made Rock Band 4 and then they brought it back and we're making downloadable content for it because and they're going to stop doing it because i think it's like every thursday they're going to drop two more songs in Fortnite festival yeah so uh so wait so they are they're gonna stop putting it in rock band now yeah. and then they're going to start putting it in they're gonna start instead. yeah they're gonna they're gonna work you know pretty much all all in on Fortnite festival you know what they should do they should put all the downloadable content ever just into I'm sure that's the that's the idea because even with Rock Band Four, there was a lot of downloadable content that came out with the earlier games mm-hmm. that they just kind of recycled and made weekly content. And like, oh, here's Queens of the Stone Age, go with the flow. Yeah. Even though you bought it once before, now it's the Rock Band Four version, and you see that in Fortnite Festival as well. Yeah, here's yeah. go with the flow. Like they can totally take those stems and tracks and adapt them to to Fortnite Festival, and I'm well, sure that's what they'll do. Of horses at some point. Some point. There you go. And speaking of Fortnite, more people played Fortnite than GTA Five and Call of Duty combined in November. Well, you have to think about this is that there are adults playing Fortnite and children. Right. Not as many children are playing Call of Duty. No, new new data shows that Xbox and PlayStation ha- uh, users have spent more hours on Fortnite than GTA Five, Roblox, EA Sports, FC Twenty Four, which is a soccer game, and Call of Duty combined in uh, November, which is when they added Fortnite, like Lego Fortnite, the festival and rocket racing. Yeah. But that's, that's absolutely, the, the numbers are, let's see, Emperor Analysis released a report on July 11th showing that in November 2023, the total hours spent in Fortnite increased by nearly 150%. In December, hours played grew an additional 9%. Uh, the hours played is also 1.6 billion hours in November of last year. Of Fortnite were played. Some of that's you. Some of that's me. <laughs> hey, you had some Ninja Turtle skins. You put Rock Band in your game. Even the Lego Fortnite is a bunch of fun. So, yeah, I know you told me I should play that and see if I like it. Yeah, we should try it out and see if it's something you enjoy. Uh, the last couple of stories I got are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related. One of them is that um, so the uh, publisher that currently does the books, IDW, has renewed their license for the Turtles because this year is the 40th anniversary Mm -hmm. of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're also going to be um, finishing the current series with issue 150 in a few months. And then later on this year, they're going to kind of restart the series with a new continuity. And when they do that, they're going to pull in uh, creator Jason Aaron as the writer. He's done a bunch of work for Marvel. Uh, He created The God Butcher in his Thor run. Which he did, and 
I, I make that face because I wasn't into the movie, but I heard the comics are better. Yeah, yeah. No, he's done a bunch of really great comics, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he's got to do with the Turtles. And somebody else, famous name that uh, enjoys Turtles, is John Moxley. Why am I not shocked? <laughs> because Raph is his favorite. Uh, you know, he doesn't say in here, but he says he's a big Batman fan. Um, he had, uh, I guess it was a year or two ago, he had some New Japan um, gear that looked like Red Hood, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. He says he's currently into the Gargoyle of Gotham miniseries that, uh, that is going out, and that he really liked the Batman Ninja Turtles crossovers and the, um, the Last Ronin that came out a year or two ago that they're making the video game of. Nerd. Yep, John Moxley likes comics, and he'll beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else? No, I am set. Well, then I guess it's time to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Chris Brown about Battle of the Planet of the Apes. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. And as I said in the first segment, it is cold finally where we are. So uh, we're definitely in the mood to like sit inside and huddle up under some blankets and watch some of our favorite movies. When I think of some of our favorite movies, one of the things I've never talked to Mr. Chris Brown about, comics and more, is one of his favorite franchises, and that is the Planet of the Apes. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast, Chris. Oh, it's good to be back. Uh, when I when I got the message from you saying you'd like to have me back, I was so excited. You and were, I didn't even know what we were talking about until this very moment. Because <laughs> I didn't ask. It was either that or the dead milkman. Right, Exactly. <laughs> Which we will talk about at some point because knowing the that you were a big fan of the Dead Milkman, I started listening to their catalog and I can't wait to talk to you about them. It's going to be a great right time. Right on. It'll awesome. But uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about tonight is the Planet of the Apes franchise. Uh, you had said to me in conversation that is one of the things that you are a huge fan of. And I'm wondering what are the origins of your fandom with it when it comes to the Planet of the Apes? So... Time's a weird thing, right? And obviously time plays back during Planet of the Apes, big time loop, whatever. But Planet of the Apes may seem like an old movie, but it came out in 1967. I was born in 1976. It's not really that much older than me. So by the time that, you know, uh, I I discovered at my grandma's house, grandma watching me of all things, I think I was about five years old. It wasn't really an old movie, but it felt like an old movie because it was a lot older than me. There was a thing that used to they used to do in the Metro Detroit area, and I'm sure every city had it their version of it. But Channel Seven would do these these weeks, and it was right around three four o'clock. They do Godzilla Week, they do Apes Week. There were other things too, but neither though you know the other stuff's not relevant. Godzilla, sure. but all that stuff's relevant. So I remember as a small child watching these five movies. It was just every day that week there was a movie on with talking monkeys. It was amazing to me, and Grandma must have noticed that it was something that caught my attention, so she just kept putting it on while I was there that week. And then, because Grandma would watch me when when Mom was at work. So, uh, after Apes Week was over, it must have, it's all a blur in my head, but being able to put the details together like any good detective with all of the details in front of you, I believe what happened was that from Apes Week, we then transferred to Channel 50, where Channel 50 began showing the TV series uh, as two-hour movies. At that moment in time, they would take two episodes and make them a movie and show that. And then they did that for a couple of weeks. Well, my brain doesn't know the difference. It's just monkeys. And right, this is really cool. That monkey show. <laughs> yes. And, and as I got a little older, I started to be able to differentiate 
the movies from the TV series and and which movies I like maybe a little bit more than than some of the other movies. And it's just always been one of those things that has been in my life from five years old and till still. Interesting. Very cool. And it's it's funny you mentioned that it's it's when when you had seen it, it's an old movie, but it's technically not an old movie. I think that has a lot to do with the jumps in technology were much bigger you know, previous generations than they are now. We look at like just with the video games alone, where when you get a new system every five years now, the technology jump in is, isn't as big as the jump between like the Atari 2600, the Nintendo. Sure. So you're looking at, you know, the original Planet of the Apes movies, which are to a degree um, like a physical effects uh, kind of big jump forward with the apes masks and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of they practical. Right. Yeah. But then you think, you know, like 10 years later, practical effects probably have taken something of a jump. So you're looking at it and you're like, oh, that's quaint. Yeah. You that's- said that you, if you look really closely, you can see the lips of the people inside the monkey mask. Sometimes, sometimes when they're talking, the mask will move and I can kind of see the lips and teeth <laughs> underneath it. And it's, a, it's always a little jarring. So one of my favorite details about those masks is, you know, something that they... And again, this is probably 25 years ago now. They were celebrating an anniversary of, of Planet of the Apes made this documentary. And during the filming, because the the makeup was so intricate, you couldn't really take it off. And at lunch breaks, you'd have to figure it out. You'd have to move the mandible down and then move yep. your hand in and, and get it into the mouth to, to eat your lunch. And what ended up happening is the wonderful exploration of human psychology is apes sat with apes. Monkeys sat with monkeys and <laughs> sat with orangutans. Didn't matter who was in the costume. They sat with the similar, you know, uh, primate. Now, That's one can wild. also say, well, you could also say if you were an extra, there were a lot of people on that set, right? And so if you were an extra who was an orangutan, you were hanging out with the other orangutans. And so they probably were the people you knew. But it is also an interesting commentary on how we are strange and gravitate towards things that look exactly like us. Right. So do you have to think, too, that they're like, so how how did you eat that? Oh, here, let me show you real quick. <laughs> right. But isn't that generally how monkeys do it? That's the 100 monkeys theory, right? First monkey right. to start to wash the banana before they eat it and then island somewhere else. All the monkeys start to do it there. Mm-hmm. So were there other monkey related media that you gravitated towards just because you enjoy monkeys, like say Lancelot, like Secret Chimp or something? So, yes. Now, I absolutely love all the Lancelot Link stuff. They also did a thing. Um, TBS did a thing in uh, the 90s called Monkeyed Movies. Yes. And they were fantastic. One of my, my favorites was, uh, what was it? I think it was they were doing Terminator. And one of them like looks at the other monkeys like, I like the way you talk. Like, I like the way you talk too. And they're like, just, yeah. oh, I love it. It's hilarious. And my, I don't even know if I was exposed much to Lancelot Link as a really small child. Because again, it would have been something slightly before my time. And you're relying on things like Nick at Night and other things to even put it in front of you. Again, if I don't have Apes Week, I don't even have Planet of the Apes at such yeah. a young age. But I remember uh, Tom Hanks talking about Lancelot Link in um, the dog movie, Turner and Hooch. Oh, yes, yes. They're on a stakeout together, and he's talking to Hooch about Lancelot Link, and he's doing the same thing with it. <laughs> and that's it, just hilarious to me. All of that is so funny. It, it starts out, obviously, with guys in monkey suits with Planet of the Apes, but then you discover King Kong, and then yeah. 
either Lancelot Link, which I think is fantastic. And they actually put out a record album, which is considered one of the best bubblegum pop albums of all time. It actually is really good. Fascinating. This is a Link record album. I, I think I only saw have... a handful of episodes of Lancelot Link, but it was on Naked Night. You're right, right. Like, That's funny. I have the record. I've hunted down the comic books. Like, My monkeys yeah, are just I... Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I also love Donkey Kong. I, I do find myself mostly attracted towards apes and monkeys and things of that nature. And I think it does start with Planet of the Apes and perhaps the the fear that uh, monkeys are eventually going to take over everything. Fascinating. Was that something that <laughs> translated itself to you when you were younger and you saw Planet of the Apes? Like, oh, when you go to the zoo and you'd be like, oh, man, that monkey's going to jump out and he's going to take over everything. No, it wasn't until the paranoia started to strike, uh, you know, started to land a little bit later where it was like, oh, I can see that. Um, you know, I've also read uh, the novel by Pierre Boulle, and in the novel, and it's it's not that monkeys take over, like because it's Earth, it's clearly Earth in in the movie because that that great Rod Serling ending and all of that, right? But in the in the novel, it's French, so the guy is French, so Monsieur whatever he manages to escape the planet des singes, the planet of the apes, and he does get back to Earth. Enough time has passed, however, so that when his ship is landing on the runway, he looks over and realizes he's being escorted by a gorilla that's flying a plane. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, geez. So the obviously the, the message there is, well, that's always going to be the logical, you know, uh, trajectory of, of any civilization that has humans on it. Eventually, you're going to get monkeys in charge. Yeah, I was looking you know. at the trailer for the movie and it's got a very like old Hollywood feel. It's got the Charlton Heston in it and it's got that, I don't know, like the only thing I can pull in my brain is Ten Commandments. Like it's got that old Hollywood style of the way that it's filmed. So it's really interesting. But I'm also sitting there thinking like, how did they get the horses to run up the stairs like that? It's not yeah. like that. Or how, how were the horses not afraid of these monkeys? Get people in monkey suits. Yeah. <laughs> probably because they had spent enough time with with the, the, the people in general, so they could probably just smell them and be fine with it, I suppose. But that is a really good question. Because yeah, old Hollywood crazy. did, everything was practical. You have all those horses. You have all of that actually happening. None of it's green screen, any of that. And I think that's part of why I love those movies so much. They look incredible. And a lot of the, the stuff of Charles Heston and, and the astronauts when they land, that's all Lake Powell out in... Um, you know, in, in uh, Arizona out there. And it's it's so cool that they use all that practical stuff. And I've been out to Lake Powell and you just think that eh, they're just shooting in that area and making it look like there's nothing going on. You're right. Like, yeah. That's really cool to me. Everything looks so fantastic. And when you talk about Ten Commandments, yeah, because you've got Charles Heston doing all that nonsense. And there's just a couple of great scenes where he's questioning Dr. Zayas. And you almost need Charlton Heston because you need an arrogant human challenging this arrogant orangutan. And I can think of no more arrogant human than Charlton Heston at the height of all that in the 60s. I mean, there's a, there's a moment without uh, spoiling anything where he looks at Dr. Zayas and he's like, really, Dr. Zayas? Would an ape make a human doll that talks? And he's just like <laughs> talking, talking down to a monkey that's talking down to him. And it, it, it's amazing. Oh my like, god! I, I love it. I, it. It's this. It's art, really, right? Like, there's so much artistry going on in this, bringing together this story of sort of this idea of where evolution is going and, and where is man going and what is happening. Is man, you know, dangerous to ourselves? And 
there's a lot of commentary in there. And then this guy's in monkey suits. <laughs> so I was looking, I, I'm a little upset because I saw that when the original French uh, book was translated over in the UK, the title was Monkey Planet, which I think yes. is a way better title. Then yes. the like you put Monkey Planet, you could name your band Monkey Planet, and I will come see them. Well, yeah, I think that's probably it though. Is they wanted it to sound a little bit more sophisticated. Probably. Planet of the Apes sounds a little bit more like a sci-fi film than just like Monkey Planet. It sounds like Barbarella. Like it's just not. You're not going to take that seriously. Barbarella is amazing though. <laughs> Have you no. seen Barbarella? No, I've only seen like random clips and it's it wild. Is. It's but that was, that was she, the first thing that came to my head was like, yeah. when you hear the that opening, title, you don't think a serious movie. Right. The <laughs> opening credits of that movie are Jane Fonda floating in space naked, <laughs> like stripping off all of her clothes. And then are you aware that that is also where Duran Duran gets their name from? No. Yeah. Duran Duran is the Duran Duran is the villain in that movie. <laughs> yes. I love it. I'll add it to the list. Okay. Yeah, we have a running list of things I need to watch. So, (laughs) all of that old sci-fi stuff just has that that old Hollywood, that big look where you're shooting on film and you're you're using, you know, some great big locations and also using these beautiful sets. I I love it. And and Planet of the Apes for me too, because there's those five movies. Because remember, we had Apes Week. It's this big giant time loop, which I don't even know that that's what they intended, and that's certainly not what's in the book. But it works. The second movie, they're like, I don't know, throw in this James Franciscus guy. He looks like Charlton Heston. The monkeys right. won't be able to tell the difference. So, like, he looks like a white guy. The only difference is, you know, James Franciscus is like three feet shorter than Charlton Heston. But it's fine. <laughs> no one will notice. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. They finally get Charlton Heston, you know, in, in the movie. He's at the, the very end and he's like, I'll be in it, but we're blowing up the planet. So they do and they still get a third movie. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic then they 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 bring us into modern times they do what they do and then you still get a fourth movie (laughs) i mean that's that's the fast and furious of it all no matter what happens you're just gonna yeah they'll get another movie and they didn't even have vin diesel or cars (laughs) he's got these cool ape masks so Planet of the Apes, obviously, may- as you were saying before, it got translated into a television show. There are comic books related. There was an animated series at one point, wasn't there? there? Was. Yeah, there was. and then Absolutely. we've got a, a new series of movies that are currently coming out for it. Have you been a fan of all of its iterations going forward, or is it just something where like the nostalgia of that original stuff is what you latch on to? Mostly that. Um, yeah. The you know when you asked me if it found if I found myself attracted to monkey stuff in general oh yeah ab- absolutely like that but there's something to me that doesn't work the same with CGI monkeys true it 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 I don't want to make fun of of the artistry that they're putting in that but it 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 doesn't have the same artistic flair and swankiness and weirdness that attracts me to the original movies. Sure. Um, it looks a little too digital. A little bit and and almost a little too real. Mm-hmm. Like I like anthropomorphic monkeys as opposed to monkeys. Something that like actually monkeys. looks monkeys like a gorilla crazy. jumping in a helicopter. You're like, eh, I don't know. Well, because that thing's going to flank poop. But like a guy in a monkey suit, it's, okay, they're not, there's less poop flank. But actually, <laughs> monkeys, like, 
It's in there fine. Like those movies are okay. And people all want to say, oh, but you can attach the original movies to them. Like, ah, the original movies are closed time. They did what they did. I mean, you can pull a Halloween and say, we're going to ignore these other movies and say these right. are sequels to that. But why would you? Why wouldn't you just let these new movies be their own playground and do their well, own thing for a new audience who are going to find themselves attracted to those movies? It's weird too. It's great. Look, looking at like the the ones that they have trailers out for now, it doesn't feel the same in the sense of the storyline either. It's more of like all the people are in charge, and then the monkeys try to take over versus the monkeys being in charge and hunting the people. I prefer that second one. There's something yeah. about the monkeys have already taken over as opposed to watching it slowly happen. And then watch the arrogance of humanity because that's the whole thing that the story's warning against in the first place. Yeah. And then we're just watching it play out that way. And they're fine. Like I said, some people absolutely love those movies and they're cool. I've seen most of them. They're cool. They're fine. They're not exactly for me. I like dudes in monkey suits. There's <laughs> uh there. I got made fun of um, when uh, when I was working with uh, Terrell and Rachel and we were doing the BAM show and, and we were talking about kind of uh, crushes and things. And I was intentionally trying, because it was our show, so I was intentionally trying to, to in instigate conversation. But one of the things that I said I had a crush on was Kim Hunter and the Zero makeup in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> There's at the very end. Near the end of that movie, at some point, Charlton Heston, Heston asks if he can kiss her because they've developed this relationship as things have gone on. Just, you know, not he doesn't want to make out with her. He just he's feeling familiar with her and he just kind of wants to be familiar with her. So he kisses her and she says, so ugly. And it doesn't matter what they look like, because at the end of the day, there was still a connection there, this monkey and this human. In the Mark Wahlberg remake, there's a moment where, you know, he's relating to these monkeys. But when he's about to go back to his own time, he's like, oh, wait, hold on. He runs off the ship and then kisses the human girl who is essentially an animal because she's not evolved. She can't speak. She can't do anything. She's just in the original movies. Charles Haston's like, we're going to repopulate the planet. Like He's <laughs> well aware that, like, she's an animal, but all the parts fit. Everything's going to work like uh, she's, you know, has the IQ of, well, a monkey, but it's fine. And in the in, in the Mark Wahlberg movie, he goes back and he kisses the human who's a monkey. Like, it made no sense to me. Why wouldn't he go back and kiss the monkey who had a familial relation, like a familiar relationship with? Guaranteed and that he just didn't want to kiss a monkey on screen. Even if it was Maybe. a fake monkey, there is a, there is a hint of bestiality to it. Mar Mark Wahlberg is just Mark Wahlberg, though, so I could see him vetoing that. <laughs> but there's a weird misogyny to having to kiss the girl that is an unevolved human being, mm -hmm. right? That he hasn't had like a a, a social or a emotional connection to, right? Right. What kind he of connection? He have the intelligent of the the ape. And it, it, it's so weird to me. It makes absolutely no sense. But having said that, I will I will tell a strange story about being a 21 year old kid and meeting uh, Linda Harrison, who played Nova in Planet of the Apes. And she she was at Motor City Comic Con. I think I was about 21, maybe 22. I was not quite as confident as the Chris Brown you see before you now. I was fine. I wouldn't say I was lacking confidence, but I had no idea what was going to happen happen and I walk up to Linda Harrison and then couldn't say a single word to her 
<laughs> completely locked up. So she was probably 50 years old, which where I sit here at 47 going, oh, yeah, there's lots of hot 50 year old ladies, whatever. <laughs> but it was overwhelming to me at 22 years old, this 50 year old woman who still looked great and she was very nice to me. And I walked up and I just smiled and she looks at me, she says, hi. I said, hi. <laughs> well, are you adorable? What are you doing? And I was like, I just held up the two VHS tapes that I had. She's like, would you like me to sign those? And I nodded my head and she's getting a huge kick out of it. And she says, you know, usually I would charge $10 a piece, but I'm going to charge you 10 just to do both. Is that okay? And I nodded my head and she said, you are absolutely adorable. Can you manage to tell me your name? And I, again, at this point, she's aware I've got nothing. And I said, yeah. Chris, and she's just smiling. She must thought like, oh man, I've still got it. This is fantastic. Because I didn't know what to do. And uh, she signs uh, both of these VHSs for me, which I still have. She signs them, you know, to Chris, uh, best wishes, love, Linda Harris. She hands them to me and I hand her the $10. And as soon as I turn around, the weight of whatever that was is suddenly gone. And I don't know what had just happened. Like, <laughs> what the heck was that? And I kind of wander off. And then one of my buddies is like, dude, did you see Linda Harrison? Mate? She looks great. Really nice, too. We were talking about, and I was like, dude, I couldn't talk to her. He's like, you didn't go over there? And I was like, oh, no, I went over there. <laughs> Could not talk to her. Couldn't like, get it out. What? Yeah, it's the only time <laughs> such a thing has ever happened to me. And, uh, and it was with Linda Harrison. And, you know, That's funny. It happened to me with Snoop Dogg. I, yeah. I couldn't get anything out. I was just like, I managed to just mutter, I like your cookbook. And he was like, you got my cookbook? I'm like, yeah. And he goes... Well, that's great. Like, and he was super nice to me, but like, I was just like, why did I tell him I have his cookbook? What the hell? And then I went, when I was walking away, I saw him. I was in passing again. I was like, thank you for your time. And he goes, oh, you're welcome, baby. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so oh, I totally understand. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're just in those moments and you just don't know what to do. Yep. The funny thing about that particular phenomenon, you know, not even talking about Planet of the Apes, is that everyone has one, at least one of those people. Yeah, what like was even, yours? Even the people who are super famous have a person that if they met, they'd be like, uh, uh, You're I DDP, right? You, you I did have, I think that's the last one that I talked to that I had a hard time, like, actually verbalizing to. So it's just like, holy crap, Diamond Dallas Page. I thought JR was going to kill me. That was the only reason why I was afraid of him. That was rough. That was rough. Actually, when I met Jake the Snake Roberts, I had to like. Oh yeah, that was that was the other. One. I I couldn't just walk over and like do the interview. I had to like, okay, okay, what are your questions? What do you got? Okay, don't freak out. It's just a dude. It's just a dude. He's been through a lot. I'm sure he's seen shit. Right. <laughs> but that's great that she was like that. At least she was really nice. Because sometimes yeah. sometimes you meet people and they're not. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you never you never know what is going to happen. And I've just always convinced myself that if if anyone has a negative encounter with someone at a convention, just stop and think, what did the person before you say? Or what sure. did you say? Yeah. Because it could have also been you. Right. Yeah. You know, talk about that, that level of confidence and not not exactly uh, uh, apes, but man, I had went to a convention once and had Kelly LeBrock just twirling me on her finger. I walk up and she's like, well, you look like fun. I'm like, well, I'd like to think so. Anyway, <laughs> That's great. Wait, so so have you guys not seen the Planet of the Apes films? Amy, where you have not, have you not, Chuck? I have seen, 
I I think I've seen the original. I saw the Mark Wahlberg one. And I've probably seen bits and pieces of I know I've seen bits and pieces of the one where the two apes are in modern times where they switch they they flip the script on them, but I've I don't think I've made like a dedicated watching to all the Planet of the Apes movies myself. I'm honestly surprised I haven't seen the newer ones because I am a, a mark for Andy Serkis. So, okay. I, like, I'm just like, that man is so talented. He's pretty incredible. <laughs> so, yeah. It, all that, like, incredible. everything with Age of Ultron and the CGI and stuff like that, that's all him. He's, like, the lead on a lot of that stuff. Like, and he's... Yeah, and Gollum, everything else, yeah. like all of all of that is like he's very ingrained in the technology portion of it as well as the acting portion. And I'm just like, wow, I admire that so much. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I he's wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you as somebody who who owns a comic book store, um, like they're currently making Planet of the Apes comics, and they have made Planet of the Apes comics for years. Um, how do those factor into your fandom? Do you do you, are there certain series that you were like, this was super great? Or is it just kind of like, like, it sounds like your Planet of the Apes fandom is very similar to my Transformers fandom in that, like, you were introduced to it in one medium. And while you enjoy it in other mediums, it's this one version in this one medium that is like your core of like, this is what I like. Correct. And I like the stuff. I like the action figures. I like the novelizations. I like I like the stuff. But as far as where the love and the passion comes from, it's absolutely those movies. Yeah. It, like I, I the, the Marvel comics and the Marvel magazines, I have them. I I've, I've read most of them. They're fun. They're not exactly the movies. Like you know, and I I've, I've read the, you know, the original novel by Pierre Boulle, the English adaptation, but I also have an original, you know, first edition hardcover of it in French. Nice. And oh, I wow. do plan to attempt to read it one day. I took French, you know, all through high school. I feel like I probably could read it cuz I've read it in English. So I feel like I could read it and and at least know where it's going and what I, what I'm actually reading. Did you take French um, in high school specifically to read the French uh, original Planet of the book? I did not. I okay. did not. I, I I you know honestly I they wanted you to take a language and I just thought French sounded fun and sexy. Like yeah. I was like all right whatever let's do French. I wanted um, to but, take French and uh, my my family wouldn't let me. Yeah. I said that Spanish was probably the smartest one to take and then I basically flunked it so my 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 high school offered german spanish and french and i took german because there was one german class and we knew in our senior year we knew it was a third hour and if me and the other guys in my band all took german we would all get the same class in yes, the same hour yes, and have it together yes. and everyone else ended up dropping out of that class except me <laughs> Yeah, it was like, I wanted to do French and I wanted to do Japanese and they wouldn't let me do Japanese either because they were like, you have to learn a whole new alphabet. That's going to be too hard. And I'm like, but I want to go to Japan. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Japan would have been a good one to know. Yeah. They're going to own our country eventually. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess guess the the last question I've got for you, at least the last one I can think of off the top of my head is, you said you were introduced to those Planet Apes movies, obviously, when you were very young. Yeah, as you got older, as a teenager, did they play any part in maybe an, an awakening in your teen years when you see those cute cave women in the bikinis? So I feel like a lot of that sci-fi absolutely had that stuff. Like we were talking about Barbarella before, that movie is absolutely made for people who have just discovered sex. <laughs> so that wasn't necessarily the awakening moment, but I always thought, you know, uh, that Nova was 
like, oh yeah, she's uh, she's something, absolutely. Right. But man, I, dude, I grew up with you know Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, and oh yeah, uh, you know uh, um, uh, Lonnie Anderson on WKRP in Cincinnati. So you know uh, the the Heather's growing up. So when I was a kid, like there was nothing stopping the the, the corporations from literally marketing sex at five year olds. Yeah, it just was not a big deal. Like nobody cared. Like five years old, and I literally had the Farrah Fawcett like swimsuit, you know, picture with her you know you erase her nipples like coming out three inches. I yep. had that on an iron vinyl t shirt. Like five with fucking nipples. Like <laughs> it was insanity. And nobody cared about that sort of thing. So there was always this, you know, kind of uh attraction to women. I knew I was like attracted to women and thinking, oh well she's very pretty sure. at a very, very young age. You know and it wasn't until much, much later that you realize that it goes from very pretty to something else. <laughs> well, it does go from very pretty to something else, but you also realize that they were very much telling boys it was okay to do things that it was not okay to do in a lot of those movies. Sure. But, there is a, a, a scene I can it's, it's, think it's, it's, of where it was Carrie Fisher talking with, uh, I think it was Graham Norton with Daisy Ridley, and somebody came up to her and was like, I thought about you every day. And she was like, every day? And like, well, a couple times a day. And, and then like, everybody's laughing. And then Daisy's like, what? And she goes, look what you have to look forward to. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah there, there was a lot of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that necessarily was that awakening in that way. But I would say that it probably did have something to do with wanting to make movies. You know, yeah. Oh, I can, I can absolutely see that bit being a big part of it. Being watching it enough times to be like, how is that done? And trying yeah, to, yeah, yeah, work it out. And and so much. I mean, we we grew up in the Star Wars era, right? Where there's that score is mixed yep. with that movie, and that it's not just soundtracks, right? I mean, now that's all you have is mostly soundtracks, like somebody else's music that somebody just, hey, talk to them. How much is that going to cost? Go get it. But this was scored and it was scored beautifully. And like that starts to attract me to well, what is all of this? Like it, it it very much does have a giant mark on me as a person in so many different ways, just from my look at style of again, that style in which you would make a movie and how you would look at things and, and score and everything. Like I feel I don't know. There's something about those movies that are a giant chapter, like almost like a, um, you know, like a big rubber stamp just on my life. But like, this is a big moment for him. Yeah. Right there. Like, like almost getting notarized uh, in, in importance. Like, no, no, that happened. That was a real thing. That's super important. So, yeah, all of that has just been uh, a super big deal to me. And I, I feel like we kind of got away from from your previous question, which was kind of about the comics. And like with all things, you know, you can love the things that you love and, and it's, but it's different stuff, right? Like the, the previous really? incarnation that they had just done of, of Planet of the Apes through Marvel most recently was about the newest stuff. Now they're doing a comic that's a prequel to the stuff I love. Uh, and I'm reading it, but it's not exactly the stuff I love, but it looks cool. And it's comics. And I don't yeah. want to be a crazy old man. I want to like stuff. The way so that like, Chuck put it before was like, it's cool that you get to live in a time where this is a thing. That there's more mediums of those stuff. Like you, you said sure. that about Cowboy Bebop, even though like 
the Netflix show wasn't the best. It was like, but we got to see a live action Cowboy Bebop. How cool is that? And it was more of a thing I like, even if it wasn't connected to the thing I like. Exactly. And that's a great way to put that. And that's kind of how I feel about all things Planet of the Apes. Like even when they make new toys, I don't necessarily want them. Like I want the old original stuff. That's what I would prefer to, to have. Right. One of the th- that I was dancing around saying about the the new movies is I didn't want to say that they were soulless because I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. But when you make new, a lot of the newer Mego figures look soulless to me. They're not like the mm. original Migos. When you start to make, when they made action figures in the era of the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, they made a Cornelius. They made Zero. Like Hasbro had the license. They were making stuff based on the original. They look soulless. Like it's not. Can you make a better sculpt? Sure. But I kind of like the idea that this kind of barely looks like Cornelius. Sure. I mean, I've seen some pretty bad Ninja Turtles, so I could... I well, could I was say. just thinking about the old, the old Star Wars figures and how not a yes. single Han Solo looks like Harrison Ford. <laughs> right. But they all, they're all Han Solo. You could tell he's got the vest, he's got the gun, he's got the and hair. It, and it doesn't have to look like Harrison Ford to look like Han Solo. Right. You know, it should be Han Solo. And that's one of the things we say about kind of our modern times is we've completely taken away all of the imagination by creating toys out of the things that already exist. And then, right? Like, it's one of the things that the Steiner School says is, like, they don't want kids playing with Batman action figures and other things because they should be creating their own characters playing with whatever generic thing. Right. And we don't... At least we were able to believe that this action figure is Han Solo, this action figure is Cornelius, it's whatever. Well, now it looks like the actor who plays them. <laughs> and that's fine, but it just doesn't do as much for me. And I'll tell you what, one of my my favorite Planet of the Apes toys ever, and Chuck, I know you're going to look this up right after, uh, you know, we, we get done talking here. Yeah. There was this strange knockoff toy that they made that Planet of the Apes fans are, are nuts about because it, it's pretty rare. Um, It's this weird knockoff uh, in China where they wanted to make this Planet of the Apes toy, but they ended up using a model from the, I can't even think of the company that made them, but maybe it was Remco, the Battlestar Galactica Cylons. So it's, okay. an ape, it's an ape head on a Cylon body. Well, It's this weird like toy from probably like early 70s, mid 70s, cheap plastic. My buddy Spud gave it to me uh, a number of years ago for Christmas. He's like, I've had this for a long time and I think you need this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. So in a lot of the Planet of the Apes groups I'm in, whenever someone's like, man, you know what I've been looking for? I'm always like, I got one right here and you can't have it. (laughs) Because nerds love to do that. Look at this wonderful thing I have that you don't. (laughs) That's fun. I will have to look for that. Um, One last question before we let you go. What, in your opinion, is the best Planet of the Apes movie? So the first one is the best. The the original. The the. third one might be one of my favorites to watch because I love just so much of the stuff that's going on in that. Again, I got a crush on Kim Hunter in that monkey makeup. Kim Hunter's, you know, like the star of the show out there in that movie. But that first one, I think, just has everything. Like that, it, Charles Heston, you know, essentially playing, you know, uh, God, uh, you know, as, as this astronaut, the Lancer. How dare these monkeys question me? What? Like it, it's... <laughs> It's fantastic. It's so good. And it's shot so well. And it's scored so well. And it's so deeply in the the fiber of my nostalgic being that it's that that first one just is everything to me. 
So if people want to argue with you about which Planet of the Apes movie is the best, where can they find you? Uh, well, you could find me at Comics More, 28059 John R. Road, Madison Heights, Michigan. Um, you could always give us a call there, 248-399-3213. I'm not going to be able to have hour-long uh, in-depth <laughs> uh, of the Apes. You got you a business to run. You can find me there. Uh, we, Comics More certainly has a Facebook page as well, but if you really want to argue Planet of the Apes, you really should come in and see me. And I hope the two of you guys come in and see me after you've seen it. I Absolutely. also would love to sit down and watch it with you. There you go. <laughs> that, could, that could be a fun night. Yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> I would totally be up for that. If you guys want to get it together, we could even wait till the spring and I could get my projector going in the backyard and we Ooh, could watch it that would the, be fun. You know, projector yeah, that's from out. the pool. Yeah, it sounds like we've got a pool. We can float in the pool while watching the movie. <laughs> I'm so down. So, so maybe we'll wait till the, we'll we'll wait till the summer for that. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Thank you again for being on the show, Chris. We love you. Thanks for having me. I feel like we never really uh, talk just about the topic at hand. We just uh, I'm just a big fan of general, and I'm a big fan of you guys. So off it goes. <laughs> We're a big fan of you. That's right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris Brown, for joining us once again for the uh, Really Big Fan Podcast and talking to us about a movie series that neither one of us have a whole lot of uh, experience with. Like I said, I've seen one or two of them here or there, so I'm looking forward to going over his house in the summer. Yeah. Watching some Planet of the Apes. That'd be fun. That's going to be a good time. So I, I devised a game, yep. much like last week, for the Planet of the Apes. This one doesn't require you to have remembered absolutely anything about our conversation, except that the original Planet of the Apes movies had people in, like, proto- like masks. Hopefully this won't take as long. Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't. But I want you to give me some examples of uh, movies or TV shows you think would be made better if they included the apes from Planet of the Apes in them. I don't know if it necessarily make it better. I think it, think of it, it like the funnier. Yeah, think of it like the Muppet uh, thought per, thought thing. Where like you know what movie would be funny if it was all Muppets and one actor kind of thing. This is a similar thing. If you added people in ape costumes, what would be better? What do you think? Like what if Speed was they they were they were uh, apes in the in the in the bus? That would be awful. <laughs> I think that'd be hilarious. Honestly, the first thing that gut comes to mind is uh, um, Walking Dead or Last of Us. Instead of zombies? No, instead of people, it's zombies versus Zombies versus apes. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. That was something I forgot to ask Chris, is if they'd ever like done any cool crossovers. It'd have to be in the comics. Yeah. I don't think it'd happen in the movies, but if they did like Mars Attacks versus Planet of the Apes oh, or something. <laughs> right. Predator versus Planet of the Apes. That would have been fun. I wouldn't put that. I wouldn't put this curse on the Stranger Things people. I feel like they've had enough. They've had enough. They, they've already had enough. Have to deal with the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, exactly. I had some good ones. I'm trying to remember what they were. I think if you took uh, one of your favorites, uh, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, and added Planet of the Apes, apes to it. Oh, God. If, uh, like, what, what if all of Romeo's family were apes? Including Romeo. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I this is not to pass any judgment on Chris whatsoever, but the idea of a human having feelings for a monkey really makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, so, it's too far close to the furry line for you. Yeah, yeah. So, like, me thinking of Juliet kissing a monkey just makes me uncomfortable. Okay. I also don't know if I have this issue because of watching Nope. I'm it's really entirely possible with monkeys. Well, that's why this is better because it's people with monkey masks. 
yes, but still, I'm very uncomfortable with monkeys. That thing scarred me for life. Okay, die hard, but the hostages and John McClane are all monkey people. It's like social commentary because the humans are the violent ones that are taking hostages. But then you also got people with, with monkey pets. <laughs> I, I can't I can't uh look at um I, I feel like if you did that, I would only be comfortable with it if Alan Rickman was still him, but yeah. then all of his team was monkeys. Yeah, see, I'm saying it's the reverse. Like, they're all human. Yeah, no, I, I like my... They're like John McClane and his wife and all the others are, are, are monkey people. Yeah, no, I would be really... <laughs> That'd be very weird. A monkey Especially person, a monkey Alan Rickman. can do that. A monkey person, Alan Rickman, would be funny. If, if monkeys... He goes falling off the thing and then he just catches himself and climbs back up. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but can you imagine how lethal a monkey would be if John McClane was a monkey? Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah it'd, it'd be... I mean, I am already terrified of the thought that what if Lou had thumbs? Yeah. Like, how much chaos he could ensue? That is what a monkey would do. I'm sure somebody's done it, but I'd like to see a Western with chimps, like a high noon draw uh-huh. with chimps. That would be really funny. I've got one. It's Rush Hour 2. <laughs> okay. Okay. But... You just add a monkey into the mix with Jackie Chan and so Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan, and a chimp. Yeah, like I don't want to replace either one of them no. with a monkey. No. I want them to have to deal with a monkey. And being that Chris Tucker is already hard enough to deal with in that movie, right? Jackie Chan would be so stressed out the entire it time. It would be really fun. And that would make me laugh. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Also, any anything that you could add monkeys to where Michael Caine has to play opposite a monkey yeah. or Adam Driver. There should be an edit of some of the Fast and Furious car chases where every time they go to like the interior where it's supposed to be Vin Diesel or something, it's just a chimp slapping the dashboard. <laughs> yeah, that would be fucking terrible. Hilarious. Oh my God. Hilarious. <laughs> no, but I would really love to see Michael Caine or Adam Driver have to play against monkeys. Because they're just going to play it as straight as they can. They're going to try. Absolutely. Right. I mean, Michael Caine was able to do it with Muppets. Right. So, but I, I've always seen that thing where it was like, you know, if you look at Michael Caine with the Muppets, like, who would you cast to do that? And that was like Adam Driver immediately. Because Adam Driver can keep it just completely locked down the sure. entire time. See, Dr. GTC is in the chat on Twitch here, and he's got a good one. Signs, but the aliens are the OG Planet of the Apes. They're, they're the people in the monkey suits. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that'd be pretty fun. I don't know. I'm laughing at Evil Cupcake saying Baywatch. Baywatch with, with people in, in monkey. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? It was a monkey in a leotard running. I, it would be so funny. At first it's running like this, and then it starts galloping on all galloping fours. On the, on the knuckles. <laughs> Amazing. The water. Amazing. Yes. It would be so funny to see how hard they would work makeup-wise to make sure someone like Pamela Anderson is still attractive as a person with a monkey muzzle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they would totally make the monkey have huge boobs. And, and then they could make a joke of, like, a guy lifeguard with a banana hammock on, but then pulls an A banana out of the banana. banana hammock? Yes. See? Yes, there you go. I think we've got some great ideas here. <laughs> no, none of these are great. All of these are cursed. These are terrible ideas. We're all terrible people. <laughs> Thank you guys for participating in the chat. <laughs> in our stupidity here on the Really Big Fan Podcast. Before we uh, end the show tonight, as usual, we didn't do it last week because we ran a little long, but as usual, it's time for our serotonin boost. Do you have one? 
off the top of your head to go? I know it's been a couple weeks since you shot a show, so this is <laughs> this is going to be a real tough one for you. No. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go because over the holidays, my good buddy King Mob forty three thirteen, who you can see on Twitch, uh, replenished all of uh, all of us of uh, my friend group. We last year he got us Raspberry Pi threes, which had a bunch of emulators on them. Well, this year he got us all Raspberry Pi fours, and the case he got me for this year's is fantastic. So it looks like just a regular Nintendo Entertainment System. But you can open the cartridge slot, and the cartridge comes out because it's actually the hard drive. And uh, he put the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic from the old Ninja Turtles cartridge on there. That's killer. Yeah. And uh, this one's got uh, some new emulators like the Dreamcast and the Game Boy Advance and stuff like that. So I was scanning my brain while you were talking. I figured one out. Okay. I thought you might. I was buying you time. <laughs> um. I just saw today the announcement that Green Day on their newest tour for Saviors, instead of playing that album in entirety, they're playing Dookie and American Idiot with selects from the new album. Is it a so, is it an anniversary for either of those? I don't know, but I don't care because those are both great. And I didn't get to see American Idiot live, so I would be really stoked to see that in full because I love the rock opera of- i was gonna ask was there american idiot stuff that when you've seen them live they haven't performed that yeah you wanted to see jesus of suburbia that mm. whole chunk in there um there was the i'm trying to remember the name of the song it's like the eighth or ninth track like she's a rebel or something like sure that. like there's th- that whole album i really do love it came out at a very pivotal time in my life so that's probably why sure Plus, I, it was during the whole, you know, Bush administration yes. fight against the system. So if anybody ignited my political punk, it's probably them and it's their fault. <laughs> um, so I'm really stoked for that. And they're going to be playing with, obviously, the Smashing Pumpkins and Rancid and the Linda Lindas. So you got to get in the band so I can shoot the show, Chuck. I, I'm trying. You got to do I'm it. I'm trying. You filmed me doing five different Smashing Pumpkin songs and hopefully they were impressive enough. St. Jimmy, that's another one. Yeah. St. Jimmy's coming down across the alley. You should you should just play the the whole set in in rock band uh Green Day. I mean, I would, but I it's do, I just do like want seeing to see them live. It. No, it's not. It's just like it. It's exactly. definitely not like shooting it. I've seen them at there's, least there's twice no live way. and it was exactly the same. In fact, my my seats were better in rock band. <laughs> rude they got it the- wasn't the same because when i went the last time i still had like long covid issues and everyone smelled like meat and it, was- it made the whole thing awful to me it was it was, it was like 100 degrees outside it was we gross out last minute that we were going we missed weezer we got to see Fallout. But I got to see Fallout Boy, and they were really good. And I don't think I'd ever seen Fallout Boy before. Yeah. So yeah, you were you were. I think it gave you a new appreciation. It for did. Fallout Boy. It did. That was that was that was my. Oh, that was a good Fallout Boy concert. I would love to see Rancid. Like, if I don't get approved for that show, I'm buying a ticket. Like, there's no argument there. I'm, I'm definitely doing it. Hiding my wallet. Even if I need to be in the nosebleeds, <laughs> like I was for Blink-182 and Paramore. Like, right. I will get one day of or something. But I need to be at that show because I need to see Rancid live at least once. My first instinct when you told me about Green Day playing those two albums is like, well, that's the whole set. Like, they're not going to play yeah, anything else. Like, and I was like, no, wait a minute. Like, Dookie is only, like, 30 minutes long. Yeah, Dookie <laughs> is not very long at all. American Idiot is, like, about 45 minutes, probably, yeah. I want to say. But, but like, still, if they're playing with the Pumpkins and Rancid and, like, like they're, they're not going to... It's like, 
three in the afternoon like the Weezer one. They're not going to get like a three-hour set. Yeah, this is like the Hello Mega Tour chunk because remember that that was a really long day. Like that show started at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So that means the Linda Lindas are going to go on at like two. Yeah. And you're going to get through. So it's going to be fine. It's going to be awesome. Evil Cupcake says Rain City is great live. I can uh, I can attest. I, ha- I have seen Rancid once before, Damn. and they were great. Did you go with Shawnee or something? I did. That's... Yeah, we saw Rancid, and then what's uh, what's Tim Armstrong's band with? Um, transplants. From the Transplants. Yeah. It was the Transplants opening up for Rancid. That's fucking great. So it was good. Oh, I'm so jealous. And, CM, so and CM Punk was at the side of the stage. Yeah, which is not shocking. Which was hilarious. <laughs> All the way from Chicago to hang out with his boy, Tim Armstrong. Oh, man. I, I'm still imagining that thing where you're saying, like, can you imagine if Tim Armstrong was sitting across from Madonna? And it just makes me laugh every time. Now. It is really funny. To it, it is very funny. Do you think he dressed up at all? No. Do you think he even put on, like, a button-up short sleeve? No. Why would he? He just showed up in his ripped jeans and his punk vest. And... I feel like she would respect that. Oh, it's fucking Madonna. Yeah, no, I, I totally could see him doing that, and she would totally respect the shit out of it. No, probably. If he dressed up, she'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. So... <laughs> well, thank you guys for uh, whether you dressed up or whether you didn't for joining us for this week's really big fan podcast. Somebody's not wearing pants. Probably not. <laughs> Join us on social media at Really Big Fan Pod. You can find us on all the social media. Join us on Patreon, where for five bucks a month you get not only the show but the Really Big Fan Pod double feature, where we uh, review movies and put them in our top ten list. We will check you guys out next week. Stay warm. Do we have anything clever to put at the front of the podcast this week? Uh, no, I don't.